turning in your Bibles this morning to 2 Kings chapter 21. Second Kings 21, and we want to read beginning at verse 1. Wow, we got a long time. It's just 1022. <laughs> Hope you brought your lunch. <laughs> Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Hephzibah. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. And he made his sons pass through the fire and observed times and used enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. He wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Verse 16. Moreover, Manasseh shed innocent blood very much till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. Beside his sin, wherewith he made Judah to sin in doing that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we ask you to help us today to see the message of the hour this hour, from your precious word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I know that some of you get Return America's emails, uh, but some don't. People who may be listening by sermon audio probably don't get them, and those who will listen to this service Next Sunday on WEEB, in all likelihood, don't get them. And so I want to begin by reading you the email that Dr. Beatty sent out this past Thursday. It's called Burn the Babies to Keep the Lights On. Curtis Bay Energy is a company which operates a unique waste-to-energy technology that utilizes medical waste for energy creation. Curtis Bay Energy has had a contract with the Washington, D.C. abortion clinic, Washington Surgery Center, where they pick up aborted babies and incinerate their precious bodies and create energy for the household and businesses of the Baltimore area. People in the Baltimore area should be aware that aborted babies have been burned to keep their lights on and their homes warm. A pro-life sidewalk counselor detected Curtis Bay Energy picking up two biohazard boxes from a Washington abortion clinic. She was able to secure one of the boxes, which had 115 babies within. You know, folks, we think we're so advanced, don't we? Well, we would never do what the Nazis did. They used the hair from the Jews that they murdered to make wigs and socks for U-boat crews. They used the hair 
to make fabric stiffer. Gold teeth were extracted and melted down to get the gold out of them. Before many of the Jews were killed, they were used in medical experiments and in medical research. Fast forward 70 years. Planned Parenthood was caught selling the body parts of unborn babies. The tissue of aborted babies has been used in medical research. And now we learn that going green means using aborted babies and calling them medical waste and incinerating their bodies just as the Nazis did the Jews, only we're using their bodies to generate electricity. And you can be sure that this abortion clinic in Washington, D.C. is not the only place where this is happening. That's true because it happened in Marion County, Oregon. They used aborted babies from British Columbia to generate electricity from 1987 to 2014. 27 years before the county commission stopped it. The company's website, Dr. Beatty goes on, outlines the rest of the story. We then transport your material in full DOT compliance. We've got to be in compliance with the government. To our autoclave or incineration disposal facilities, we manage the largest medical waste incinerator in the United States. Dr. Beatty says, I've read of the incinerators in Hitler's death camps. You know, Pastor Kelly was ahead of his time when he wrote Abortion, the American Holocaust, 42 years ago. I've read of the child sacrifices of Molech in the Old Testament, but I never anticipated the pagan cultures of yesterday would so permeate America's culture of today. However, we have arrived to a bona fide pagan America. That doesn't break your heart, first of all. And then if it doesn't fill you with a level of righteous indignation, then there's something wrong. It's good to remember from time to time what Martin Luther said. If I profess the loudest, with loudest voice and clearest exposition every portion of the truth of God except that little point which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking, I am not confessing Christ, however boldly I may be professing Christ. Where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And to be steady on all the battlefield besides is mere flight and disgrace if he flinches at that point. And the place where the battle is raging in this state right now is abortion. This is where the loyalty of the soldier is going to be proved. 
And one of the ways that we can enter the battle that is raging is by contacting our state legislators and letting them know our position as they begin working on an abortion bill. Zero abortions is our position. That ought to be the position of the Republican Party. If they have to allow for the exceptions of race and incest and physical life of the mother, that would reduce abortions by 98.5% in this state. A heartbeat bill would reduce abortions by more than 86%. But that's the minimum, the minimum that we can support. The first trimester bill is unacceptable. It'll only reduce abortions by 6%. Brother Jed Taylor has written an excellent letter that pulls all of this together. And he has no problem with us using it as a guide for contacting our representatives. So at the back today, when you go out, you'll find a sheet that on one side has the letter uh, that Brother Jed has written, and on the other side it has the addresses, the email address and the U.S. mail address and the phone numbers of all of these uh, all, of, all of our representatives that directly uh, affect us, our three members in the House from Moore County, uh, Ben Moss and Neil Jackson and John Sauls, we have the same information for uh, those of you who live in Hope County. Your representative is Garland Pierce, and I certainly believe he can be worked with on this issue. Um, on the Senate side, you'll have the Tom McInnes. You'll have his information. He's our senator for Moore County. And uh, Danny Britt, who is uh, the senator for Hope County. You also will find the, the uh, information for Senate President Phil Berger and Speaker of the House Tim Moore. So you can uh, take the letter... And you can add to it, you can modify it, or you can use it as it is. Now, let me give you a, a, a piece of good news. You don't have to type this eight times. Uh, what you can do is, uh, and I'll be glad to forward you Brother Jed's email, and then what you can do is copy and paste it into your email, and then all you have to do is add the uh, recipient. So... Um, that's better than having to type it eight times. Uh, if you don't use email, then use regular mail. You can call. The phone numbers are there. However you get in touch with them, these folks have got to know what we expect them to do. I was reading on Friday from Vance Havner's daily devotional book, All the Days, um, one of my spiritual mothers, Lenica Gilmore, gave me that book for Christmas. And the devotion for March 10th was from 1 Kings 19 and verse 18. If you'd like to turn back a few pages there to 1 Kings 19 
this was the scripture for Mr. Havner's devotional. And in 1 Kings 19 and verse 18, the Lord gives Elijah some rather startling news. He tells Elijah, yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel. All the knees which have not bowed unto Baal and every mouth which hath not kissed him. And this is what Vance Havner wrote. He called it rallying the remnant. It's easy to get under the juniper and fancy, I am the sole surviving saint. But God has his faithful remnant. And our biggest business is to rally it. There are more than 7,000 who do not bow to Baal. God keeps the books and knows them that are his. Here is the real witness today. We cannot organize it, but we can challenge and revive it, and out of this kindling wood, start a fire. He's right. Have you ever thought about the numbers here in Elijah's day? Vance Havner got me to thinking about them. And they're very interesting. There were 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. In 1 Kings 18, if you'll turn back there, and verse 19, Elijah tells Ahab to send and gather me all Israel unto Mount Carmel. And the prophets of Baal, 450. And the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. Think about the numbers. 7,000 versus 850. Folks, God's people were not in the minority here. They were in the majority. The problem is they were silent. And in the silence of these 7,000 Christians, Ahab and Jezebel were using this loudmouth minority of 850 to control Israel and give the impression that they were in the majority. Imagine that. Because isn't that the way it is in America? Isn't that the way it is here in North Carolina? I don't believe that the majority of the people of this nation and the majority of the people of this state support abortion. I don't care what the polls claim to show. The late Rush Limbaugh, and I, it grieves me to say the late Rush Limbaugh, he's dearly missed by many. He said on a number of occasions that polls today are not designed to reflect public opinion they are designed to shape public opinion pollsters for example ask a sample of people if they believe a woman ought to have the right to control her reproductive health most of the respondents have no idea the mind behind the question 
And they have no idea that reproductive health is a, another word for abortion. And so they say, yes, I believe a woman has the right to control her reproductive health. And a few days later, you see the headline. 62% of Americans say abortion should be legal. And all the people in the middle, it's an interesting group here. We see them in verse 21, halting between two opinions. Now, where the majority of the people in America are today. They're in the middle. And this, this group here, halting between two opinions, are swayed by this loud minority. If you want to see an example of how swayed and under the control of Ahab and Jezebel they were, look at verse 19. Elijah said, Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel. And the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel, and Elijah came unto all the people. All the people. All the people of Israel did what Ahab said. They followed this loud and vocal minority of 850 because the 7,000 who had not bowed unto Baal are silent and nowhere to be seen. And they were so silent and they were so invisible that it took God himself to tell Elijah that they even existed. And these verses are in the book for this hour. For this day, because God is telling us that these same conditions exist right now. Just as they did in Elijah's day 2,900 years ago. In America today, in North Carolina today, this vocal and loud minority represented by these 850 prophets that control the government and the people of Israel, they are controlling the government and the public opinion of this state and nation. And for the same reason, the 7,000 that represent individual Christians, the 7,000 that represent individual churches across this state are silent and invisible. I'll give you an example of how silent and how invisible we are. 40 million Christians who are registered and eligible to vote, don't vote. Another 15 million Christians are not even registered to vote. That 40 million non-voting Christians makes up 17% of eligible voters in this country. And when you add the potential of this 15 million unregistered Christian voters... That means that, means that Christians have the potential to make up 22% of the voters in this country. That is a huge voting block. That block of voters has the power to challenge the pro-abortion, pro-homosexual, pro-transgender, anti-family, anti-police, woke military, critical race theory, diversity, equity, 
inclusion policies of the Democrat Party. But where are the 7,000? Exactly where they were in Elijah's day. Silent and invisible. This is the remnant that needs to be rallied and challenged and revived. That out of this kindling wood, as Vance Havner said, a fire can be started. Some of you young people probably have no idea what kindling is. It's this wonderful little stick that you go out and you gather. And you start a fire with that. And it burns very, very hot. And then you can put the bigger logs on. A little bigger and a little bigger and a little bigger. And pretty soon from that little kindling wood, you've got a roaring fire. This is what Return America is trying to do. That's why Dr. Beatty and... Brother Dwight, who's the vice president, and these other men need your prayers. This is what this church and others like it are trying to do. And this remnant isn't rallied and challenged and revived as a group. Boy, it sure would be nice if it was. But it's not. It happens one believer at a time. It happens when one believer over here says... Is there not a cause? It happens as a believer over here says, I'm willing to make up the hedge and stand in the gap. It happens as another believer says, I'm not going to forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain. This little kindling fire starts as another believer says, I'm going to open my mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. And another says, I'm going to open my mouth and judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and needy. And there are no more poor and needy and helpless than unborn children. And one way to start the fire, it's not always looking for something big to do. That's what Naaman was looking for, remember? Remember? Elijah told, or Elisha told him to go wash in the Jordan seven times and he'd be healed and he was infuriated. Elisha didn't even come out himself. He sent his servant out there to tell him. How insulting. And Naaman said, well, I surely thought that he would come and strike his hand on the place and make this big to-do. We're always looking to be able to make a big to-do. But you can start a little kindling fire by sending an email or a call to our legislatures and telling them that what we expect them to do is to stop the genocide in this state. And a 13-week or first trimester bill will not do it. Are we willing to do that? Are we as individuals willing to be a stick of kindling wood to help Start the fire of light and truth in this state concerning abortion. Folks, there is no greater affront to the God of heaven than abortion. We've been talking about the seed in our recent studies in the book of Galatians. God told Abraham that in thy seed 
shall all nations of the earth be blessed. He told that to Abraham. He told it to Isaac. He told it to Jacob. In Galatians 3.16, Paul tells us who Abraham's seed is. Paul says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Christ is the seed of Abraham, in whom all nations of the earth would be and are blessed because he would go to the cross of Calvary and die the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. And Satan's purpose was to stop the seed, the Lord Jesus Christ, from coming into the world. And his primary way for doing that was the murder of children by government order. That's what he attempted to do in Egypt. When Pharaoh, and who was Pharaoh? He was the king. He was the government. When Pharaoh, in Exodus 1.16, spake to the Hebrew midwives and said, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools. If it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. Here's Satan's plan. His plan was to use abortion right at the moment of birth, which, by the way, is the policy that the Democrat Party advocates the Democrat Party in Washington, D.C., the Democrat Party in Raleigh, North Carolina, the Democrat governor of North Carolina, Roy Cooper, vetoed the Born Alive abortion bill to keep babies who survive abortions from getting medical help so that they could live. What is the difference between Pharaoh's decree to the midwives and Roy Cooper and the Democrat Party's decree to the doctors of this state? I suggest to you there is none whatsoever. And so here Satan uses abortion right at the moment of birth to prevent the seed, Christ, from coming into the world. Of course he failed. He failed because the midwives feared God. Who do we fear this morning? Do we fear government? Or do we fear God? We ought to obey God rather than men. The midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. Satan's plan continued as the king of kings of Israel, that's the government, offered their sons and daughters in sacrifice to Baal and Molech. Judah did the same thing as we read in our text twice this morning. Manasseh, the government, shed innocent blood very much till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. Satan's plan reached its zenith at the birth of 
of the seed which is Christ, the Lord Jesus. When Herod, the government, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children, not just the males, all the children, little boys and little girls that were in Bethlehem, but not just in Bethlehem, in all the coasts surrounding it from two years old and under. Abortion. The murder of children is the manifestation of Satan's hatred and his desire to kill the God of heaven. And think about how he has gone about to accomplish his goal. Satan has worked through governments for more than 3,700 years. From Egypt to Israel to Judah to Rome to America to the state of North Carolina. He's worked under the auspices under the cover, under the authority of government, the very entity whose first and foremost obligation is to protect life. He's used government to murder countless millions of children. And what we need to understand today on a personal level, is that his strategy has not changed. He's not only working through governments at every level. He's working through the government of the hearts of men. You see, abortion is not only an attack on the unalienable God-given right to life. It is an attack on the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary. And God's plan of salvation is to do the same thing in the heart of every human being in the heart of every man and woman and young person, as the power of the highest, the Spirit of God overshadows and reproves and convicts the hearts of men and women and young people of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to the end that the life of Jesus Christ might be conceived in us. Abortion is the antithesis of this. It's Satan's counterfeit. It's the message, the ultimate message of humanism. It's the message of our own deceitful heart that you can have pleasure and convenience And you can have your life by aborting the influence and the ministry 
of the Spirit of God as he seeks to conceive in you the life of the Son of God. You know, from time to time, you read the testimonies of women who have had multiple abortions. And you read both sides of the emotion there. From some of them, you, you have the, the emotion of grief as their hearts are broken. But then you have the testimonies of some who are proud. I am woman, watch me grow. Watch me go, I mean. That's what Helen Reddy said. And that's the attitude of some of these women who have had multiple abortions. And we read that and we think, how terrible. But how many times have you aborted the spirit of God's work to conceive the life of Jesus Christ in your heart? Today, right now, you need to stop the abortion in your heart. And you need to humble yourself. You need to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ from your sin and trust him as your Savior so that his life, his eternal life, can be conceived in you. Folks, this issue of abortion, it runs deep. It runs deep. And it may perhaps more than anything else summarize the long war against God. That's why it's so important that we take a stand for life. We preach the message of life in this pulpit. We also need to stand for the message of life in front of these Leaders are state. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how you show us these conditions. We're not, there is no new thing under the sun. We're not living in some, uh, in the midst of something that has never taken place. We're just living in an intensified version of it because we are living in the last days when evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. We're living in days when like Uriah the Hittite, we're in the hottest part of the battle. And as we look around us, we see our fellow believers withdrawing from us. Father, we pray that we would not withdraw from the battle. We pray this morning that there's anyone here who does not know you as their Savior, that they would right now stop aborting the work of the Spirit of God in their hearts. And we pray that they would surrender their hearts to you and have, by a miracle of God, they can experience the new birth. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.